Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. You've heard it said. You've probably said it yourself once or twice or maybe lots and lots of times. You may even believe it to a certain extent and to our earthly way of thinking it does have a certain calming and reassuring ring to it, I suppose. The phrase is oft repeated, almost to the point of becoming a mantra to those who have suffered loss or injury. Time heals all wounds. But does it? Does it really? Wounds come in all sorts of shapes and sizes. They also come in lots of different dimensions as well. Physical wounds, emotional wounds, and the wounds that we probably consider the least but are best not neglected, our spiritual wounds. And of course, we also have varying degrees of severity to our wounds. From hangnails and paper cuts on the one extreme to the life-threatening urgency of severed limbs or flayed chests or crushed skulls. From furrowed brows and sidelong glances and joking insults to bitter, angry, hateful words and the silent torture of avoidance and neglect. From the once-in-a-while skipped Sunday morning service to the rationalizing of those self-defined little sins, to the failure to rightly confess the faith and to keep our children in it, and even to the woeful and damnable claim that God can't forgive me or forgive you for that. These all leave scars, every one of these wounds, no matter how quickly we get medical care, no matter how skillful the doctor or how compassionate the therapist, it seems that there is always going to be some lingering pain, some loss of physical or emotional functionality, some scar or risk of recurrence or relapse. Whether we see them on our skin or whether we feel them in our hearts, we carry those scars with us. We reach or we bend or we twist a certain way and we feel that ache or that sudden jolt of pain. We keep on going to the back, back to the doctor month after month or year after year for those tests, hoping, hoping to dear God that those numbers don't indicate that the problem hasn't returned or at least it hasn't gotten worse. We see someone or we see something or we see some place that reminds us of a hurtful past experience. And our hearts and our minds are once again clouded with the misery, fear, anger, or despair. The harsh fact is, time does not heal all wounds. Oh, we might not notice some of the physical wounds after a while if we healed well and the scars aren't too visible to us. But our bodies are never really the same, are they? Not exactly as God created us and brought us forth from our mother's wombs. The skin cells aren't aligned quite the same way. The ligaments are not as taut. And the bones show those ragged extra contours of being knit back together again. Our minds, too, they don't reset themselves from past hurts 
We can't reboot them or reformat them like a piece of computer hardware. Memories may fade and we can try to forget or repress the painful events of our pasts. We may even find ways to cope or to take deep breaths or to reframe things so that the recurrences or the remembrances of these past pinpricks or traumas don't affect us quite so severely. But they never really go away completely with time, do they? The passing away of one year and the coming of a new year brings the promise of renewal to many people. Now, you may or may not be one of those who makes resolutions or writes them down and posts them where they're going to confront you every day or makes public pronouncements of your best intentions to others so that they'll know and they'll feel that you've got a certain commitment to them, that you'll feel a little bit extra pressure to follow and to execute those plans and those resolutions. But no matter your method or your way or simply your hopes for a better future, it's our nature to want to see positive changes in ourselves, changes in others, and changes for the better in the world around us whenever we pass a, a milestone like the new year. We want the wounds to heal, or at least to be less painful and less debilitating. We want our flaws, our scars to be less pronounced also, less noticeable, less imposing, and less limiting to our lives. We have some very real and very deep problems and challenges in making those changes and in reducing those flaws, don't we? For one thing, we live in a very hostile environment. We have enemies both seen and unseen who not only want us to fail, they want us to suffer. They want to inflict new wounds too and to poke and to prod and to pick at the old wounds so that even those that have nearly healed up will torment us continually. For another thing, even without those enemies, we will find ways to undermine our own efforts and to place obstacles in our own paths. It's how we are. It's what we are. It's who we are. We're weak of body, weak of mind, and weak of spirit. We'll wound others, and they'll wound us. We'll remember the scabs and the scars, and we too will pick and probe and irritate them over and over again until we create new and bigger wounds so that even the passage of time will not eliminate the hurt. And then we've got the biggest obstacle of all, it would seem. Yes, we can function with a, a limited amount of physical scars, sometimes even with the loss of limbs and the loss of senses or the loss of major organs sometimes. We can go on through some pain, either numbed by medications or toughing it out or maybe just dull by simply getting used to it. And yes, we can even function with wounds to our psyche, pretending we're okay, smiling through the heartache of a lifetime's accumulation of emotional traumas both inflicted and suffered. But what of our spiritual wounds and spiritual scars? We have sinned. We have fallen short of the glory of God. And no new year that is governed by the simple flip of a calendar page on some arbitrary human date will give us renewal in God's sight. Our final paycheck of the year, our W-2, 
Our bonus for what we have done this year and every year is the same. The wages of sin is death. According to God's Word, our spiritual wounds and scars would condemn us. Even if the world would accept our physical and our emotional and our spiritual wounds and scars, God cannot. He is holy. He is set apart and He is free from flaws. We must be perfect as our Father in Heaven is perfect. There is no other way. But we have wounds. We have scars. We are limited, handicapped, debilitated, are we not? No, it's worse than that, isn't it? We must be then helpless spiritual invalids, bedridden and barely alive, right? No, dear friends, it's even worse than that. We have no spiritual functionality whatsoever. We are in spiritual autopsy. Our life and our dignity stripped away. All our wounds and all our scars revealed. The reality of being necros in our trespasses having come to pass. Our past wounds, physical, emotional, and spiritual, have led to the present reality. I am a scarred sinner. And I am a scared sinner. And I can do nothing at all about that. Give thanks then that God does not dwell in our pasts, except when it comes to fulfilling His promises that He has made long ago. Promises that He always remembers, even when we forget. Look again at our epistle lesson for tonight from St. Paul's letter to the church at Rome. You will see that God is focused on our present and on our future, and not on our past. All of the discussion of the past there, all of the things already accomplished there, are the work of God. Only our present and our future are discussed. Granted, it doesn't indicate that our present life is going to be any bed of roses by any means. Far from it. We are being killed all the day long, it says. We are ever in the ongoing process of being killed continually attacked, wounded and left dying we are, slaughtered as sheep. Yes, perhaps we do get some brief respites from life's daily battles to experience some sort of superficial healing of mind and of body, to form some scars along the way. But we are certainly never left alone and in peace, are we? The key aspects of Paul's lesson to the Romans here and to us tonight are the actions of God which he describes there. Actions past, actions present, and actions future. Dissect this lesson in this way, and hope abounds. The past actions of God there that are listed are foundational to our confession of who God is and what we believe. God loved us. God did not spare His own Son. God gave Him up for us all. Christ Jesus died. Christ Jesus was raised. These are things already accomplished. Things real and true and witnessed and testified by God's people in the Scriptures and in their creeds and in their prayers and in their songs and in their worship. And what of God's present actions on our behalf? It says He is for us 
That means he defends us. He supports us so that no matter what might be aligned against us, they cannot overcome us. They cannot succeed in the end. It also says God justifies. He realigns us. He makes us right with him. He declares our past wounds and our present scars to make no difference in our relationship to him. His Son, Jesus, presently, now and forever, sits at God's right hand, interceding for us, it says. Through Him who loved us, we are presently made conquerors and more, not only surviving the battle and all of its wounds and its scars, but even now having been given the assurance of final victory in Christ. Which brings us then to God's future actions for us. It says He will graciously give us all things. We will be healed. We will be given scar-free, glorious bodies with all of our wounds removed, all of the pain forgotten. Cleansed, peaceful, and undistracted minds which think only of those things above and do not carry the regret and the pains of things experienced here below. He will also, it says, turn aside any charge brought against us by the accuser. Satan will not only be not able to condemn us, not now, not in eternity, but all of the dangers in life, though very real, will not separate us from Christ's love. Not troubles or fears, not suffering or hunger, not shame or violence. When Paul in the Spirit wrote the words to this lesson, he was led to say specifically what God wanted his readers and hearers to receive. God wanted to give his people confidence that regardless of what they had experienced, no matter what wounds and scars they had received in their lives up to that point, their future was assured. Listen again to the words. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Tucked into the middle of that list, that long sentence of which Paul seems to be so fond, is an interesting phrase, one which we would do well to consider tonight as we stand on the brink of transition from one human year into the next. Paul says, nor things present, nor things to come. There's no mention there of anything in the past, is there? Of those uncounted wounds already suffered and the many scars already carried by his readers and we who hear it tonight. And that's no coincidence. For Paul is writing to Christ's church the church at Rome, and the church of all time, including you and me. In Christ, our past wounds are healed. All of our scars are taken away. Oh yes, we will still look upon the marks left on our skin and feel the discomfort of things that are not quite right inside of our bodies. We will still have pangs of fear and regret and anger in our minds over what we have done and what we have left undone. And what has been done and not done to us. We are still both violators and victims in the physical and the emotional ways. But Christ alone 
was the victim for us in the spiritual realm. He also bore the, bore the pain and the suffering of the torment of punishment. He unjustly received the holy and just recompense of the wrath of God, due for us for all of our physical and our emotional injury to others. Our spiritual wounds and scars are fully eliminated by God for the sake of the suffering of Christ, healed and eradicated as He does richly and daily forgive your sins and the sins of all believers in the holy Christian church. For the baptized, the believing, and the confessing, there is no past with God. There is only present and future. You see, the removal of our spiritual wounds is all that really matters for now. For the gift of God alone gives us an eternal future. A future free from wounds, free from scars of all types. It is good then that we who are broken and battered, who are scarred and are scattered, would come together in this healing place this night as one bounded chapter in our human history comes to a close and a new one begins. For apart from the limits of time, unbounded by space yet inextricably linked and bound to the predicament of humanity and the world, the great physician is here. He has treatment for your wounds. He has medicine for your pain. He has therapy for your scars. Come then and drink of the rich wounds of Christ, suffered in your place, suffered on your behalf. Marvel at the glorious scars that He still bears on His body for your sake. His wounds, His scars, they heal you. They renew you. Time does not heal all wounds. But the wounds of Christ free you from the bounds of time and they break you away from the grip of death. The blood of Christ removes your scars, your flaws, your every blemish. In Him is your fresh start this New Year's Eve and every day to follow. In Him is your future. In Him is your eternity. In Him is life. And in His holy name, Amen.